over here, it's very like easy to own a property five years. You have multiple six figures worth of equity and you leverage it. You pay for kids tuition, you travel, you buy another property. It's a domino effect, right? But then there's about 20, 30% that are doing the opposite. And it's just media versus media. So they're saying that the interest rates will go up more and the prices will crash. And now consumers don't know what to believe. I think the most important characteristic or personality trait to become a successful realtor is that you have to be... Hey, this is Aman and you are listening to a Think Ultimate podcast. Today we have Moise Rahman with us. Moise is a top 1% real estate agent in Toronto, also featured in Top Agent magazine. He represented more than 100 families and has a 5-star review. Let's get into a deep conversation and know more about Moise Rahman. First of all, Moise, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here and share your valuable experience with the audience. Hamad, thank you for having me. I got to have you know, buddy, you're the first host who has invited me on the show and has said my name correctly. That just never happens for me and I'm okay with it, but I have to give you the credit because that's all you, buddy. Exactly. So some mixture of Indian and Pakistani names, so we can pronounce it clearly. So you are in Canada, so most of the people won't pronounce it. Same happens with me as well. That's all part of the game, man. And like I said, I'm used to it. I, I came here in 2000s. I think I was grade one or two at that point. And I remember the first day of school, someone said to me, your name is too long. How about we call you Mo? And I said, just be my friend. Like, call me anything you want. Just like be my friend, right? And since then, Mo has stuck around 25 years later, however many years later, Mo is now my go-to name. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Exactly. So there is some like, tongue mixture in the western world that they cannot speak the names of like uh, people of east it's very difficult for them to speak that and it would be really difficult for us to speak like turkish names turkish or arabic names true that makes sense to me yeah yes so moise let's get to get on to the questions so tell us something really interesting about yourself that most people don't know so, buddy, before I came on this podcast, I obviously, you know, uh, I'm an avid listener of your show. So I know this question was coming and I was brain farted. <laughs> so a couple of days ago, uh, after having dinner with my wife, we went back and forth about 30 minutes. I've been married for about three years now. So she knows me just as well as I do, if not better. And, you know, we're brainstorming, like, what is a cool fact about me that the world doesn't know? And what we concluded with was that there is no cool fact about me. I am the most boring human on planet Earth. I did not have a live childhood. I've been working for as long as I can remember. So she said that my cool fact is the fact that I have no cool fact that no one knows about me. As sad as it is, that's my truth. Okay, so you won't have a cool fact, but I can tell you are a really interesting person to be with. And if I got a chance to be uh, be with you, like for work, for like traveling, it would be an amazing time with you. I like to think so. I've I've just recently developed uh, a more niched friend circle. I think one of the sad truths about entrepreneurship that it can get very lonely. And my first five years were extremely 
lonely. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I now finally have a circle that I can trust. I can be myself around and I can drop this professional um, attitude that I have to have for my business. So when I'm with my friends, I'm like a child. I'm like a high school kid. Like I want to play sports. I want to run. I want to play pranks. I want to pull pranks. You know, I want to be the jokester of the community of the, of, of the crew. So when outside of work, that is my personality. And when I come to work, I have to hone it down a little and just put on my professional mannerism and demeanor. Actually, when it's time to work, everything, nothing else can distract us. You have to just work. 100%. My suit is my uniform. So once this goes on, it's game time in my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you catch the entrepreneurial bug? How did you get into entrepreneurship for the first time? Sure. So my story into entrepreneurship is not necessarily, um, you know, cute, inspiring. I fell into entrepreneurship very accidentally. So after high school, I was a kid who did not pursue college or university. I wanted to take a year off. I was kind of forced to because of my family's health. So what I did was I took a year off after high school and I was watching my family's store. They had a storefront that was a business. That's how they ran the family. And I slowly to get, I started getting into sales and communication. I was a very shy kid. I had no idea how to talk to anybody for that matter. And then a year later from that store, someone recruited me into real estate. Uh, one of my clients from that business was a real estate agent. He had tons of experience, amazing personality. And he recruited me on his team to learn the business and to help him with his business. And I came in to the business thinking what everybody else does flowers and butterflies, rainbow and sunshine, you know, lots of money. People are going to line up to work with me because who doesn't want to work with me? And I very quickly, very quickly got a reality check that it's not like that. It's really, really hard. But by then I was too far in, right? I had no other source of income. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a diploma. And the first six months into my entrepreneur journey, I was in overdraft. Like I had no savings. I was in negative overdraft with my bank, but I had to figure it out. And that was six and a half years ago. And now here we are. So my journey here, my, my introduction on entrepreneurship was very accidental. Absolutely. So the time when you didn't have anything, that must be some negative thoughts can be coming into your mind that what have I done? Should I, should I have completed my degree and get, got that diploma so I can get into a job? So were those negative thoughts in your mind or you were just thinking positively that I am, I am here and I have to just figure out what I can do the best? Sure. A bit of both, buddy, because... I was 21 at that time. So I was still very much living with my family. I was still very much influenced by my elders. I still am, but they were more invested in my life at that time. So the the self-confidence took a hit when our parents naturally started worrying, right? No parent in the same mindset will say, yeah, go to a job that has no security, go take out a loan to start a business, which you know nothing about. No parent ever says that. So their worry for me took a toll on me because you never want to upset your parents. That's just not anything you want to ever live with. So that part took a toll on me. But to the contrary, the way my personality is, feeling down, 
feeling low, feeling shitty motivates me because I hate that feeling. So I knew that to stop feeling this way, to not get my parents upset, what I had to do was make money. And in the beginning, the only motivating factor is to pay the bills, to get out of overdraft, to pay for rent, to pay for car insurance, you know, food, living expenses. That's the bare minimum to keep yourself afloat. So it was a bit of both. It took a massive toll on me, but then it also motivated me to never be in that position ever again. Absolutely. Uh, so, Moise, one really interesting question that uh, you have seen a lot of millionaires coming out of US, Canada in the real estate industry, but you won't see that same thing in different countries. Let's talk about India, Pakistan or any like Western countries. So, not all, most of the people are coming as millionaires, multimillionaires from the real estate industry. So, what can you say is the big difference between that? Could you repeat your question for me? I caught as much as that a lot of millionaires, multimillionaires are coming from real estate. Could you rephrase the other portion of your question for me? Yes, yes. Uh, like most of the millionaires, multimillionaires are coming from USA and are from real estate as well. Like people are investing in real estate and getting much good returns. But as compared from the countries like India, Pakistan or any other Western countries, the ratio of that of that people or multi-millionaires, millionaires is really, really low. So what is that difference? What causes that difference? Sure. I, I, I can't speak on behalf of why it's not the same in India, Pakistan and countries out on that end of the world. But I know over here in the USA and Canada, properties have a massive demand. And there's also this belief that to feel like you have made it here, to feel like you have, unquote, settled in these countries, you have to own a home. And it makes sense to me because eventually you pay your home off and you're mortgage free. It takes time, 20, 30 years sometimes. But then if you're paying rent for 20, 30 years, and when you get to retirement, it's even harder. So having that one asset, not only for your retirement, for your kids benefit as well, that is the American and Canadian dream. I think the dream in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh is not the same. And over there, mortgages are only becoming a thing now. Mortgages were not a thing back then. So a lot of people are actually just buying land and I think building cash free and they live there forever and it becomes a generational home. Whereas over here, people will probably buy and sell real estate five times. And then whatever extra income they have either goes to stocks or it goes to real estate investing. And I'm a big believer that real estate investing is not for everyone. You have to have liquid. If you have liquid, it can double, it can multiply, but you have to have liquid first. You can't just start becoming a millionaire from real estate investing without kind of having no money. It's hard to do that in USA and in Canada, even though TikTok says you can do it, it's really hard to kind of make that happen. I, I'm not a big believer of borrowing money to take on more debt. So I think maybe that's a big difference over here. It's considered to be a dream and maybe in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, it's not. Exactly. So also, there are some factors which are really uh, like getting into the, getting into the place, like uh, rising interest rates in the mortgages, and uh, people are not able to pay high rent. So that can be the main factor. Uh, as in the USA and Canada, people can leverage the property and they can get some really good rent out of it and pay the mortgages and get some free cash flow in between. So that's not possible here. So that can be the main difference. 
That makes a lot of sense, Betty. I mean, it's over here. It's very like easy to own a property five years. You have multiple six figures worth of equity and you leverage it. You pay for kids tuition, you travel, you buy another property. It's a domino effect, right? So yeah, that makes total sense to me, buddy. Good point. Absolutely. Uh, So um, Moise, in your opinion, what is the most important personality trait someone would need to become successful in a job? In real estate? Yes. Um, hmm, good question, buddy. I, I think the most important characteristic or personality trait to become a successful realtor is that you have to be self-motivated. Every day I check in to myself and in the first few years when the hunger is there, it's very easy to stay motivated after you've sold a hundred or 200 homes and you've represented these many families, fatigue catches up to you. And if fatigue catches up to you and you don't work as a business owner, your business will go down. So being able to fight that and having discipline to do all of your tasks and any self-employed person, realtor or not, they have to wear multiple different hats. You are the marketing department, right? You are the operations manager. You are the client care. You're the prospector. You're the negotiator. You're the deal closer. You're the customer service representative after that. You do your own taxes. So there's so many different hats to carry, which is why it's exhausting. Having the discipline to do all of that, even if you feel like it or you don't, I think is enough to make you a successful, not only real estate professional, but also an entrepreneur as a whole for any business. Absolutely. That's the most interesting thing that you just told is that uh, after getting 100, 200 sales or even in any business, you are getting some really good sales. And uh, after you get those sales, you get lazy, you get fatigued that uh, everything is going good. So why don't I just rest? I worked so hard. Then you get a really big L and then you start working. You get those hits and then you start working again. So that is the most important part of everyone's life. Everyone faces that. Even I did face that. And uh, it's been a good experience to not continue that again. And it can be a huge motivator as well. That if I just stop here and everything will go down, you get that experience. Yeah, buddy. That's why they call it a roller coaster, right? And to an extent, they believe that a roller coaster is healthy signs of a business because if you're on 110% every single day, then you're just going to burn out mentally. Then you're forced to go down. But what happens is after a while, when you have resources, you're able to delegate the tasks that bring you mental fatigue so you can always stay up without sacrificing your mental sanity. Right. But that's the roller coaster. You do really good. You sell some and then you get tired. You come down again. And because you're not selling, you're not prospecting, you have to, then you go back up again and you come back down again. So I think the, the masters figured it out. When you have the resources to delegate, that will protect you from mental fatigue, but it'll also keep you on the top of your business. Awesome. So, Moise, you are an expert in investing and all. So, what would you tell a person who has like around $50,000? Would you suggest him to invest in real estate or in crypto? That depends on your monthly cash coming in, whether it's from investing, whether it's from the job that you earn or from any sort of side gig for that matter, because $50,000 is enough to purchase a piece of property. Yes. But can you then carry out the mortgage payments? 
right? Keep in mind that interest rates are high right now. And $50,000 is the minimum down payment, not the maximum portion. So if you were to purchase a property with minimum down payment and the interest rates are high, so your monthly mortgage payment is high, the rent is usually not enough to fully cover that payment. You will collect rent and then you'll have to put maybe a grant from your pocket to keep that property going every single month. So do you have the ability to carry that property? We call that negative cash flow. So if you have the ability to carry the property for the next four or five years, then I would recommend real estate investing for sure. If you don't, if you only have $50,000 and you don't have cash coming in, then maybe put it in crypto. Right, Because then you don't have to put any extra money to carry that forward. But real estate has that beauty that if you walk in with $50,000, five years later, you're walking out with $300,000. Crypto may not, may not give you that return. But to obtain that return, you have to carry the property. That's something that people don't talk about on social media. So I would ask you to make sure, can you do that? If you can, then yes, put it towards a condo in, in real estate. Absolutely. And if you don't know anything about crypto, then don't invest it. Otherwise, you'll end up like betting in, in it. You're seeing it going up and you're purchasing it and then it goes down and you're selling it. So you're just going into like minus. You will be in minus. So, uh, Mois, how did you manage to grow your business so far? Um, what really worked for me, Hamad, was uh, being consistent on digital marketing platforms. I started social media marketing or being present on social media about five, six years ago when people were not doing that. And at that point, a lot of people shared negative feedback. Luckily, I was strong enough to not let it get to my mind at that time. You know, good for that. And then I think that has allowed me to grow because through the power of video marketing, social media marketing, I have reached a lot more people's platforms. So right now I have more than 15,000 people who are tuning into my content every single month across various different platforms. I can't do that in an in-person physical setting. And social media gave me the power to put out one piece of content that so many people are watching. They're either entertained or educated by it. And even if they decide to work with me or not, that's different, but at least I'm sharing my message. So digital marketing and consistently adapting to all the hundreds of changes that have happened the past few years has allowed me to grow my business, I think, tremendously over the past few years. Social media can be a huge help for you because you are not going to all the people. Like there are a lot of people in the world and how are you going to reach them? Like in person, by webinars, you won't be able to reach them. But by social media, they are scrolling every time and they will be seeing your reel and they will get to know more about you. Once they see the value in that content, they will be coming onto your profile and seeing all the other videos they have uploaded and they will be going through it and they will become a follower after some time. But in my biggest motivator was seeing the lack of knowledge consumers had before they purchased real estate. And at that point, they were blindly forced to trust a professional advising them. And as much as I hate to say, this happens in every business. We have a lot of real estate professionals here. We have like 40,000 realtors in the GTA in our, in our local community. That's a lot of realtors. But only 3% of them represent more than 10 families. The average agent only does one deal. So the agent who's doing one deal doesn't have that same level of advice for a family as a person who's top 1%. So when I saw that a lot of my friends 
a lot of people that I knew were getting misguided from other professionals, which is costing them a lot of money and a lot of heartache. That's when I thought that this is the best way for me to educate buyers. So I began by just educating consumers on how to buy your first house. And then I started getting feedback. That's when it clicked for me that, okay, my message is reaching them. I'm saving them from heartache and mistake. If they work with me, they're already going to be content because I know what I'm doing. But even if they work with another realtor, at least they're not going to fall in the trap of getting misguided. Like I've had other realtors call me and say, my client is showing me your video. You know, like why? And ultimately that's successful to me because consumers should know how to purchase real estate. It's their money. And I don't want them to blindly trust somebody who can't correctly guide them. So that was one of my biggest motivators to stay consistent on social. Exactly. Also, you're not putting some like small amounts. Put. If you're put, getting into real estate, you're putting some really large amount. And if you lose that, it can be a really big loss for some people. Okay, so Moe, Thousands, as brother. Is, Thousands. I often yes. get treated poorly because a family has a bad experience with the realtor. And naturally, they think every realtor is like that. Naturally, they're going to think that if that person burned me over, Moise will burn me over. I can't trust him. And I almost yes. feel like a sense of wall protection that I have to break through to earn their business. And that's okay. It's not fair, but that's okay because they're behaving the way they are naturally. So it's my job to change their experience and then help them understand that not every realtor is the same, but I can only do that one deal at a time. Right. So I recognize that. And that's part of the game. It's how it is. Absolutely. Then it becomes really tough when someone gets some, like someone gives a person a really bad advice and that person is coming over to you. It's really hard to convince them that you are the person for that deal. It becomes really hard. Okay, so Moise, as everyone is dealing with some level of difficulties in the business, what are the most common difficulties you are currently facing? Um, okay, so what I did was I, I reached out to my team this morning in our meeting. And I asked every single member, what are the challenges that they're facing today? So I have a list right here. I'm going to go through them. Then I'll tell you what my biggest challenge is. So one of my colleagues said that they're having a hard time figuring out how they can be known in the market with all this noise. And that's, that's totally true. If people don't know about you, how do they work with you? So how do you get known? A lot of people asking me is how do I prospect to find business? That is the biggest trouble you have as a new real estate agent. There's a few clients that are saying, how do I work with the brokerage that has low fees? So every brokerage that you work with, they have different sets of fees. So a few of the folks that are on my end, they're saying, you know, how to avoid that? How do you retain clients? And how do you learn to say no? That's a big one, right? Absolutely. You're self-employed. You want business. You need business. But there comes a time where you have to recognize that this family, what they want, I can't offer. So instead of wasting my three months worth of effort and theirs, I need to tell them that I'm not the realtor for you. And I need to kindly back away. That's a challenge. Now, at a personal level, my biggest challenge is consistency, right? I'm a married man now. My parents are getting older. I'm an uncle of two beautiful babies and I want to spend time with them. But it's really hard for me to figure out when I can spend time with them when I don't know how my schedule is going to be tomorrow. 
because properties over here sell within hours. So tomorrow I have no showings planned right now. But if another home comes up for sale in the next five minutes, then tomorrow is booked. So for me to be able to plan a day with my family is really hard because I don't know if I can actually be there tomorrow. So that's my current biggest challenge at a personal level. So Moise, if, uh, if someone wants to become a realtor in Toronto, let's say, so what are the processes that he has to go through to get that license? Sure. So over here, they have changed it. Keep in mind that I got my license many years ago. So my, my, my mindset could be a little wrong. So take everything with a grain of salt. But now you have to apply for a college course. I believe there are five to seven courses that you have to complete. So there's five to seven different books that you have to complete. And you can either go at the pace of the class, which is about two to three years, or you can self-educate yourself and complete the whole process in six to 12 months. Once that is done, I think the cost is about four to $5,000 give and take. You have to then employ with the brokerage and you have to get insurance. So then you pay a little bit more money again. And then the cost of being a realtor is different. That's even more. But to obtain your license, that's the process. About six or 12 months and about five grand. Awesome. I say that self-learning is the best, best choice. <laughs> You are saving time as well as you're saving money and you're getting that license really early because two years is a really big time that you can make a lot of things in that time frame. Everything can change within a year. Yeah, but it comes down to your self-motivation. It took me two years to get my license, but I was working a job at that time. Right. But if I um, had savings, if I have a year worth of savings, then yeah, the sooner the better. So then you don't have to go into your savings too much. But that's also something I do recommend. I recommend that before you start a business, more specifically before you become a real estate professional, have savings. It could take you six to 12 months before you see your first paycheck. And a lot of that paycheck is not coming to you because you have brokerage splits. You're going to have your marketing expenses, your driving expenses, any sort of client dinners, uh, miscellaneous expenses when it comes to little signs and stuff. And then you have your taxes. And self-employed here are taxed very heavy. So the chances yes. of you getting your first check in the first year is already hard. And then when you do obtain that first payout, you're pretty much just covering off expenses. It's not really profitable to you. So make sure you have savings to correctly combat that. That is one piece of advice I didn't get before. And a lot of agents don't know that. So I would ask them that if you learn nothing from today, keep in mind the fact that you should have savings because of those reasons. Exactly. You should have some amount at least. So if everything goes wrong, you have something to eat from. Okay. Uh, so Moise just recently Silicon Valley bank got like bankrupt. So how, is that affecting your business? It's keeping me busier. Yes. Um, it's keeping me busier in the sense where following that event, um, a lot of articles have come out and consumers don't know what to believe. So we have two narratives right now. One narrative is that because of Silicon Valley and because of inflation rates slowly coming down, the interest rates should come down. And about 80% of the banks are saying that we should expect that to happen. But then there's about 20, 30% that are doing the opposite. And it's just media versus media. So they're saying that the interest rates will go up more and the prices will crash. And now consumers don't know what to believe, right? This analogy of the market's going to crash. And my marketplace, for as long as I've been selling, it's been there. 
for the seven years that I've been selling, I hear that every single year, but the market hasn't crashed. But naturally, consumers that spend years to save money, they don't know what to believe. So a lot of my work right now is talking to people and educating them with data. You know, forget Silicon Valley, forget what the articles are saying, look at the basics of supply and demand. And I have data to educate them on that. So that's what's gotten busier for me. And then maybe uh, we'll find out in four weeks when the next meeting is that maybe the interest rates might come down. So that might also be a direct effect on our real estate market through Silicon Valley's uh, situation. Exactly. So you have to tell people about the data. Data are the facts. And if you're believing the news, then you won't be going anywhere. You're just getting into negative thoughts and you will, you will be sitting there watching the news, doing nothing. But you know, the worst part is that people so desperately want the real estate market to crash. They want people to be yes. homeless so badly that if I go on social media and I share anything to the opposite, if my message is not that the market's going to crash, these guys will trash me. So if I say the market's looking good or the market's going to go up, so many negative comments, so many. Right, People will actually go out of the way to find my email address and send me an email to express their negativity and distaste of me. Right, And it just upsets me that so many people want the market to crash. Yes, if the market crashes, maybe you can buy a house. But that also means a person who owns a house has to foreclose and they're going to become homeless. So why would you wish that on anybody? You know, like, yes, have the desire to buy a house, but don't wish ill on anybody. So that part upsets me, but that's part of the game as well. I guess people just feel the way they feel. Exactly. If you're just hoping for the market to crash, then a lot of people will lose their homes. But if you're trying to work hard, you will get more money and you can buy a home. So that seems the better option rather than making a lot of people homeless. <laughs> Buddy, you okay. said it and I agree with you. Absolutely. So, movies. Um, what is your growth plan? Growth plan. So I have a few small goals. So when I do my business planning and I try to do it twice a year, but definitely at the beginning of the year, I'll make where I want to be in five years. And then I'll reverse that to one-year goals. And then I break it down to monthly goals. What do I have to do every single month to reach my goal within three to five years? So right now, I'm in the process of growing my team and my brokerage. I'm part of a company called Real Broker. It is a newer company. People are just beginning to hear about that brokerage, but it is growing so rapidly. And I had the pleasure to help grow that company. So one of my growth plans is to consistently be present for my company with trainings, with mentorship for all the new agents and that need the access to me to help grow that company and its awareness. I really believe in it. And then at a personal level, just to stay consistent and to delegate more tasks so I can focus on the income generating activities. I love going on appointments. I love negotiating deals. I love writing up contracts. Everything else that happens behind the scenes, I need to delegate that more consistently so then I have the ability to help more families. Right now, I can help maybe three to five families correctly every single month. But any more than that, I just don't have the, 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 the time. Like I'm not present. So the idea is to be able to help more families. So my growth plan is to just delegate more of the tasks that I are not income generating, give it out to admin. And then finally, I, I want to be traveling with the company. 
Uh, I want to be able to go to different areas and teach and coach and mentor other agents. And that's something I'm still figuring out, but that's definitely in the vision that I want to be able to obtain that within five years. And I'm just trying to do whatever I can to be in a position for that opportunity when it comes present. Absolutely. You have to be ready because you don't know when that opportunity can come in. Maybe you can get a chance to speak on the world, world's greatest stage where people are listening to you. That can also happen. That's not a big Why thing. not? Why not? Yeah. I should be I should be aiming for that. A lot of opportunities have opened to me um, in the sense where just being out there, companies have asked me to model for them. Um, I've had people reach out to me to cast me on TV shows. That's a dream come true. I mean, every Pakistani Indian kid who wo- uh, grew up watching Hindi cinema wanted to be a Bollywood actor. We all wanted to be Shah Rukh Khan or Hrithik Roshan, right? So to be a host on a TV show is the closest we'll get to that. That's 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 absolutely flattering. So the the idea is that yeah, don't limit yourself, but then also consistently be out there and open to any opportunity, but be mentally ready. So when the opportunity does come, you have to say yes because that's usually how quick it is, and between you and I this year, when the opportunity came for TV, I wasn't ready. I didn't have my stuff together. I didn't have my personal stuff together, my professional stuff together. I was fatigued at that point. So I had to pass on the opportunity to be on TV. And that's a goal of mine. And that hurts, but that's motivating me now to work harder and to work smarter. So the next time the opportunity comes, I'm ready for it. Absolutely. And uh, we will be hoping you soon to come on the TV and hosting a real uh, real estate show and teaching people about all the things that comes while buying in the, buying the real estate or while becoming the new agent, what are the challenges you face and how you can overcome that. And I hope a lot of the realtors will, after watching this podcast, they will be learning a lot of new things. Okay. So, Moise, if you had an extra $10,000 of budget, how would you spend it and why? <laughs> right now, if I have extra $10,000, buddy, I'm going on vacation. I am taking my wife and I'm traveling. I haven't had my honeymoon yet. We had a COVID wedding, um, but that's oh. a personal level. At a professional standpoint, if I got $10,000 that had to be invested solely in marketing, I would triple down on ads, digital ads, and I would triple down on video content. I I have a list of type of contents that I have to make. I'm very focused on what I make. I script my own videos. I'm very careful of the type of content I put out there. So at a professional level, I would take that $10,000 and I would throw it all of it into um, my content creation. And if I was looking to grow my brokerage, what I would do is I would book out a hall and I would invite thousands of agents for a training. So those are my three like things that I would do. I'd go on vacation at a personal level. At a, at a self-employed perspective, I would grow more video content. And then at a business perspective, brokerage owner perspective, I would just want to grow the company and train thousands of people. Exactly. All the professional and personal goals all set in place. That's really good. When you have everything in mind, you are really more clearly focused. Like you know where you have to go. Okay, awesome. So Moise, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, best piece of advice I've ever received. So many. Yikes. Uh, it's not top of mind. Maybe it wasn't that. No, I'm kidding. It was amazing advice. Um, I watched a lot of interviews. So this advice is something that I saw from an interview. And uh, it was, can can you 
imagine if it turned out better than what you think will happen? Like, what if it turns out better than what you have envisioned for yourself? Right. And then the worst mistake that person did was listen to somebody who said, be realistic. That was his mistake. So they were trying to share the message that don't be realistic. Believe that what if it can be better than what you imagine it to be. And one of my favorite quotes that I have written on my board in front of me, I try to write it down now, is that hustle beats talent every single day if talent is not hustling. Right, Your talent in this business is meaningless if you're not doing the activities to showcase that talent and to help families with that talent. If I don't pick up the phone tomorrow and make calls, people don't know about me. My talent is absolutely wasteful. So for me to grow and to go against the top dogs and to win market share and to get my name across, I have to out-hustle people. And that's been my mantra, let's call it, since day one, work harder than everybody else. Exactly. That's all you can do because you make your own luck. The more you work hard, the more people know about you and then they will recommend to their friends, to their family and your network will grow and your business will grow. That is the main part. You just have to make those tiny steps right and everything will fall into place. Agreed. And and what is the worst piece of advice you have ever received? <laughs> Uh, don't go on social media. You look like a joker. <laughs> Did anyone really say that? Yeah, but it was closer to oh. me, like as like a, like a, like an extended relative, and we have that relationship where they can communicate that to me. And I guess to help me understand how strongly they felt about this, they called me a joker. Right. So I, I did not listen to it. I was like, okay, if I'm a joker, let me be a joker. What do I care? I'm still going to educate my clients. So that was probably the worst piece of advice because any sort of recognition that I've had now, the major successes that I've had now are all because of my presence on social media. So if I took their advice and I came off social media, maybe this interview wouldn't be happening today. I think most of the worst piece of advice comes from your relatives like i also got some really worse advice also those are from relatives like people who don't know you will give you the best advice but if you learn from your relatives they will just uh, like what can we say about that <laughs> don't take advices from your relatives <laughs> but it, it's the culture but you know i got to give our relatives credit as well in the sense where they don't they don't sugarcoat it they don't filter it my friends will think twice before I give before giving me critical advice. Whereas my relatives wouldn't do that. They would tell me how they feel. Now, I, I heard a quote very, very, very long ago that if someone tells you how to improve your business and you get upset, you have an ego problem. Yes. And I used to get upset. I was like, dude, I'm working my butt off right now. And you're telling me that I'm not doing it right. How dare you? That used to be me when I was like 21, 22. Because, you know, you're exhausted. And then gradually, as I developed more sense of maturity, I was like, you're right. So now when someone says to me, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you're a joker, whatever it is, I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me what I have to fix to, fi to improve my business, to improve my client service programs, to, to improve everything in my, my business, right? So like that's changed. I think you got to have both. You got to have friends that love you no matter what, that will tell you that you look good, even if you have something in your teeth. And then you got to have friends that will tell you that you look like shit and you got to be able to accept it. 
Exactly. When people are telling you some really bad things about you, you have to just take a step back and think about it. Even though they're telling, uh, saying something wrong, you can just let it go. If, if they might be saying something right that you can fix, so that can also be the case. Well okay. said. Absolutely. Uh, so, Moise, let's get on to the next question, which is really interesting. If you were to write a book about yourself, how would you name it? Yeah, yikes. Yikes. Uh, dude, you got me thinking on the spot today. If I was to write a book about myself, um, I, I think emphasizing that this could work for anybody in my book would probably be the best thing to do. So something silly, but something that stands out, probably a successful realtor made by accident or once called a joker, now a successful realtor, something along those lines. I do think at some point I want to have Maybe a book, yeah. Maybe a book that I share all my experiences in. Maybe 10, 15 years down the road. I'm sure I'll have a lot to share. And maybe that's going to be the title, you know? Joker turned realtor. Or realtor yes. made by accident. Something along those lines. Yes, that that could be really amazing. And that can make you stand out. When people is, uh, like people buy books according to their titles. Like no one will buy a book if you... You don't know about what's written in the book. If you're having uh, some expertise about mango and you, you have wrote all the things about mango and you have titled it as an apple. So how can someone know? But if, you're, if your title is really like telling the viewer about the content written in the book, then they're more likely to buy just like you told the, uh, told the title about uh, realtor. What was it? Uh, realtor by accident. Successful realtor, realtor by, by accident. accident. Yeah, or Joker turned into a realtor, either or. Okay. Okay, by listening to those words, I know what will be in that book. And I'm looking forward to like getting that book from you. And I would be, I would love to read that out and give you the feedback. Let's make a plan about that. Oh, you got it, buddy. Now I'm motivated. I'm going to write that on my board after this interview and I'm going to send you a copy whenever it's done. Whether it's five years, two years, whenever it's done, I'm actually getting a copy of that book. Absolutely. I would love to. Also, uh, so please, let's get on to the next question and uh, let's get it, get it really fast because these are some really quick round questions. Which is your favorite dish? Steak or butter chicken? Butter chicken, really? <laughs> I love butter chicken. Okay. Okay. So, Moise, which one is your favorite travel destination? Just like you told us that you will be spending those $10,000 into vacation, where you will be willing to go? If I'm going with my wife, I would like to go to uh, Greece. I'm happy with Punta Cana. And then maybe one day Maldives. And if I'm going with my friends, then Punta Cana. I've been there once for a friend's wedding. Best trip of my life. Amazing experience. Just after I asked you the question about the favorite travel destination, the first word came into my mind. It was Greece. Love it. So we're on the same page then. I like that. Absolutely. Those white walls and all, it's really amazing. Okay, so which one is your favorite quotation? We'll go back to the one that I mentioned earlier that hustle beats talent when talent refuses to hustle. That's my favorite. Awesome. So Moise, one last question. What is that one piece of advice you would give to the young entrepreneurs starting in your field? 
So many, so many. <laughs> if it has to be one and it has to be simple, I would like for that piece of advice to be that talk to as many people as you can to help them understand what it is that you would do. If you have to go to the cliff of the mountain and you have to yell that, hey, I'm Moise Rahman, I buy and sell real estate, then go do it because the more people know what you do, the higher the chance of you accelerating your growth in the business. So talk to as many people as you can. And if you are socially anxiety and you have social anxiety, like how I used to, then use social media, DM people, write comments on people's posts, be genuine, but try to make a connection. Absolutely. The more connections you have, everything revolves around connections. The more bigger network you have, the more good people you have in your network the more you will grow. Like all the people, all the successful people you will ever see, they all have really big connections. They know a lot of people. That is the most important thing. So uh, one more question Moise, that popped up into my mind. So how would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered by the man, as a man who always helped, found joy in helping, believed in spreading kindness and not, violence pretty much i want to be remembered as a selfless person i think everything that brings me joy genuine joy has some sort of form of selflessness i love mentoring i love teaching new realtors what i now know to accelerate their business i love giving back i love donating i love helping strangers and i just like being kind. If you're around me and you have a pair of shoes that I like, I will go out of my way to be like, hey, do nice shoes. Like, I won't say that to a girl because that's inappropriate unless I know her, but I will go to a gentleman. I'll say, hey, dude, I love your shoes. Where did you get it from? If I don't express that like comment and compliment, it literally haunts me. So I would like to be remembered as selflessness. I would like my legacy to be selflessness. Okay, after all the time I spent with you, I can say, truly say that we have the same personalities. The things you mentioned is just like resonating with my personality as well. That's awesome. Then buddies, the tables are going to turn one day. The next time I'm interviewing you and I'm going to have a great time interviewing you. It'll be awesome. Exactly. At that time, we won't be having a Zoom call. We will be sitting in front of each other live. And uh, in a place where we uh, we both are comfortable, maybe Dubai, because it's my favorite place. I love it. If I can travel Dubai and do a podcast with you, say no more. I'll be there. Absolutely. So thanks a lot, Moiz, for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming out here and sharing your uh, experiences, all the journey, about the journey you have had and uh, telling the people what can be the better thing that you can do to become the best version of yourself. Thanks a lot for that. Buddy, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Your line of questions are amazing. You're an amazing host. You have an amazing show. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm excited to see you grow, buddy. Absolutely. Same here, likewise. So thank you guys for watching. Keep watching, keep listening and have a great day.